Welcome to the Wheatful Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Goff, and I'm so excited you're here. I'm an online product shop owner over at Wheat & Honey Co., a business strategist leading women-owned, profitable, and purposeful businesses, and your host here at the Wheatful Woman Podcast. Join us as we have fun and soulful conversation with a bunch of girlfriends pursuing a life full of intention and purpose. We are here to give you space and tools for your holistic wellness journey and hope you leave each episode feeling a bit more full than when you came. All right, Wheatful Women, let's dive in. Today's conversation is with my new friend, Jenna Claire Mason. She's on Broadway as the current Glinda of Wicked. She's a Nashville native and grew up loving all things musical theater. She served as the audition coordinator for two years at Elon University, has taught master classes all over the country, and has performed on Broadway in three national tours in Vegas and Japan. Her favorite quarantine activity is cuddling with her two golden doodles, Buddy and Banjo, and hanging out with her husband, Eric. Here's my conversation with Jenna Claire. Jenna Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brittany. And thank you for praying for us before we started chatting. It made me feel ah, at ease. Thanks Good. for that. Good. I love it. I love doing that because I feel like it's just a moment to just step away from everything that's going on and just invite the Lord into the space. And I always feel so much peace when we start that way. But I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. And I just want to tell our listeners when we first jumped on this call, it was such a cool experience for me to have a guest that is so excited and interested about what's going on with this community here. And Mm. you have just set such a really cool tone for the conversation today in doing that. And I'm excited to learn more about you firsthand. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we got to do the pre-interview. I just hang out. I love it. And we have some buddies here. <laughs> we do. Us. All, um, all the furry friends are here. Oh, yeah. Um, I've got, I call him our little lamb. We've got my dog, Buddy, here at my feet. He's 45 pounds of love. He thinks he's a lap dog. <laughs> I'll have to send you the picture. So there's this big rocking or kind of recliner chair that we have upstairs. Mm-hmm. And it's where I kind of start my day with my quiet time and both dogs. They're not allowed on any other furniture in the house, but they know when I'm on that chair, they're allowed to get up with me. So I have both <gasps> dogs piled on top oh. of me for quiet time. And I have to say, it, it, speaking of setting the tone, it really sets the tone for my mm-hmm. day to be surrounded by fluffy love. Um, yeah. So my other dog... Banjo, he's next to me. He's kind of just spread out, um, but he's he's just a, a mere eighteen pounds. Eighteen. I think he, that's it. I think yeah. I think he thinks he's as big as Buddy, but he's just not. But he will wrestle with him like, <laughs> like he is. is. <laughs> that's so funny. They always think that they're either a lot smaller than they are, right? How yep. much energy they have, and how they just climb on your lap, or the opposite. They think they're a whole absolutely, but. <sighs> Yeah, no, we have bonded over that with our golden retriever. My buddy's mm-hmm. in the crate right now. He knows. What's your dog's name? Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. What Tucker. a good name. You killed He's it. He's so funny. He's so funny. Yeah, we have we live in an apartment and there are so many kids that are in all these different apartments around us and we'll be taking the dog out and we'll hear Tucker. 
Tucker, Aww. wait, Tucker. And this kid, there's one in particular, he will run down the stairs because he wants to say hi to Tucker. So it's is so sweet. There's a golden amazing. retriever around the corner named Captain. And mm-hmm. he's so, all he wants to do is chase the ball, but he's so kind of stately and yeah. serene. And <laughs> I'm, I am that child. I'm like, Captain, <laughs> Captain. <laughs> Wait, I want to say hello. Wait. Oh, they make your day. They are so yes. amazing. And I'm so impressed that they're able to be a part of this and they're so calm. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for puppies. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. But I'd love to ask you just to dive right in and tell us about your journey. I know you're from Nashville and now you're in New York and you're on Broadway. And I would love for anyone that knows you, or maybe if there's anybody that doesn't, to get to hear a little bit about your journey, how you've ended up where you are and where your passion for the musical theater started. Yeah, I have, I think I've always loved musicals. My parents, you know, raised us right on the, on the classics, the sound (laughs) of music. And I think lots of, I know my first soundtracks were all original Broadway cast recordings. And I think I, I loved theater. Yeah. Before I even really knew what it was or knew that it could be a career path. It just seemed, I mean, especially in the early, early years, it was just, Mm -hmm. you know, a fun after school activity. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, played little miss Muffet in going buggy in the first (laughs) grade. And that was, you know, a real epic moment for me to chase, um, my first grade boyfriend keen with a tennis racket because he played the spider, of course. (laughs) Uh, my other first grade boyfriend was Tucker, which I feel like I have to throw out because you said your dog's name's Tucker. <laughs> it's Tucker. I liked boys in the first grade. Yeah. So uh, then I, yeah, I saw my big brothers doing kind of just um, community theater shows and thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. And I think I auditioned and didn't get to be a part of some and, mm-hmm. but just kept seeing them perform and thought that was so cool. And in third grade, I auditioned for a local show of Greece and did that and fourth grade. And then I was kind of plugged in with this community theater and, and did shows mm-hmm. kind of every year till you age out, I think at 16. It's that but I just, I just loved it. Yeah. And fourth grade was the year I saw my first Broadway show, Les Mis on Broadway. Oh, and what a good friend. That was kind of the moment for me where I was like, oh, people do this for a living. Mm-hmm. And then got more serious about singing and like taking voice lessons and taking dance classes and doing drama camps. And then seventh grade was the big turning point because I saw mm-hmm. the original cast of Wicked on Broadway. And I mean, just watched Kristen Chenoweth in all her glory and went, that, that <laughs> job, that's the one I want. That's so I'm going to do that someday, everybody. Um, or at least that's what I declared to my parents at that time. So kind of just had a, yeah, one track mind after that. Um, very grateful that I had encouraging teachers and supportive parents because I was not the kid who was getting every lead role or every solo in middle school and high school. Um, always kind of the side character or Mm -hmm. in the ensemble, but just had this big dream and um, ultimately decided to go to college for music theater at Elon University. 
graduated, got married, moved to New York. <laughs> so that's kind of the, I guess, abbreviated version. But um, yeah, the story that not everybody knows is that I auditioned for Wicked, oh man, like five or six times, a lot of times really? before I ever actually got to be in it. And um, yeah, I did a number of other shows before that actually happened. But yeah, just mm. have been working, I guess, professionally for 10 years now, which is crazy. I guess Mm -hmm. that makes me feel old, but that's counting um, in the summer in college. They encourage you to do what's called summer stock, Mm -hmm. which is um, working for, you know, various regional theaters around the country and getting that experience or earning equity points, equities, the actors union. So I I had really great uh, working experiences in in my summers Mm -hmm. uh, throughout college. So that was really helpful, I think, to kind of start preparing me for the real world. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's amazing to see when you're passionate about something and you're determined, those are the people that truly excel with their dreams when it's all Mm -hmm. rooted in that passion. And it's really cool to hear that it wasn't always, I've always been the lead in everything I've ever auditioned for, or I auditioned for Wicked once and I got it. It's really cool to hear that story of, no, I just knew I wanted it. And so I kept running at it. Yep. (laughs) A little bit more of of that. But I actually think, I mean, at the time, I'm sure it was frustrating in middle school and high school, but I think it honestly could have potentially put me at a disadvantage to go into college and think, well, you know, I'm, I'm really good and I get everything. I think that mm-hmm. would put you at a disadvantage. I think it's better to be like, oh, I'm just happy to be here. I want to be part mm-hmm. of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's honestly, I think more realistic, especially uh, a more realistic perspective going into New York City because rejection is so real in this industry and something you have to deal with on a regular basis. You have to get really comfortable with hearing no. So mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it was good that I, I started hearing that pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's so many people that see your success and see you thriving. And it's so easy to believe, well, if I don't just, if I'm not just thriving and succeeding like that, there's something wrong with me. And I think it is so amazing to have conversations with women that are so confident and so aware of their passions and what they're called to, that Mm -hmm. they're able to share that. Hey, it hasn't mm. always been easy and it isn't always easy. What you wow. see is not always everything that's part of the experience that leads me here. And it's so much sweeter because of it. Right. And it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Man, well, I'd, I'd love to chat with you a little bit about marriage. This is something that I love, love, love talking about. And Yeah, you got to meet Eric for a I second because he was I helping did. me work through some technical difficulties here on the front end. We always so. have them. We always have them. I'm always getting on my Instagram stories right before we record. I'm like, guys, <laughs> the lawnmowers are back. So we had some of that over here. And I'm always expectant of the conversation when that happens. And I've shared that with a few guests. But when it's not easy getting the video to work or the microphones to work, or we have background noise. I always know, Mm -hmm. okay, God, you have a really cool conversation that's coming. And it just fires me up when they are things that aren't easy because it makes me want to press in that much more. But yeah, I did get to meet Eric at the beginning of our conversation. And I would love to know what marriage is like right now for you all in your season, where you are, whether it's during COVID or the launch of your new business. What is that like for you guys This is what you need to know, Brittany. (laughs) Eric made pancakes this morning. (laughs) 
That's all you need to know. He's perfect. Um, no, he made coffee and pancakes. So he's, mm-hmm. he's a winner for sure. I met Eric through a gal in college who was my Bible study leader. Mm-hmm. Our Bible study was called Crazy Love. And I got connected with her through InterVarsity. And mm-hmm. my summer after my freshman year, I was working at a summer stock theater in Ohio and got to meet her big, my Bible study leader's big brother. And here we are <laughs> about 10 years later. We, um, we dated for a couple years and we were engaged for a year and we've been married now for seven years, which wow. is wild, but it's crazy to look back and think, wow, I've gotten to spend a whole decade of my life with you. But mm. a lot of that, especially at the beginning was long distance, which I actually to anybody listening who's having to deal with a long distance relationship because of the pandemic or otherwise, I actually think it's a pretty beautiful way to form a relationship. I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess hindsight is 2020 and and while we were in it, it was hard sometimes, but the truth of the matter is like all you have to rely on when you're long distance is communication. So I think you do build a really, really good Mm -hmm. foundation in that Mm -hmm. way. Um, and it made every trip or visit so special and exciting because, yeah, it wasn't we, what we got to do every day. And mm-hmm. so, and I also think actually doing a lot of our dating relationship long distance helped prepare us for the beginning of our marriage because the first five years, oh man, I was on tour almost the whole time. So we had to get really used to traveling and seeing each other and making each other a priority. And thankfully we had that great foundation of communication and figured out a way to make it work. But since I've been off the Wicked tour, which I did for about 20 months, it's, I mean, it feels like Christmas every day (laughs) to wake up and be like, oh wow, we get to live together and do pancakes and coffee. And so he changed careers a couple years ago. He was an air traffic controller and he transitioned into being a pilot, which has been a really, really, really cool to see him kind of chase his big new dream and, mm-hmm. and cool getting to support him through that because he had supported me um, incredibly well, you know, mm-hmm. through all these tours and things mm-hmm. um, and following my big dream and to be able to, to turn around and support him in that way was I think really cool. And, So, I mean, now that Broadway is temporarily shut down, it means I get my nights at home. So I'm definitely savoring candlelit dinners and movie nights and and things like that, that we, uh, you know, we spent time together, but it just looked different, Mm -hmm. not the traditional uh, dinner times and Mm -hmm. bedtimes together. So Mm -hmm. um, definitely enjoying that. And then he actually changed jobs a few weeks ago. He was a flight instructor and now he's a private jet pilot. Okay. So it's interesting because we're kind of navigating the long distance thing again, just a little bit, like he'll have to go away for two weeks, but then he'll be home for two weeks and then gone for two weeks and then home for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which is also kind of crazy, I think right now, just because of COVID and everything, mm-hmm. but it means that the time that he has home, you know, to really get to have that time off, off and not have to worry about any sort of, you know, work duties, mm-hmm. I think is super nice. Yeah. And so, yeah, lots of dog walks, lots <laughs> of date nights and mm-hmm. um, enjoying. We did this big um, kind of gut reno on our house 
that we're in now uh, last year. So we're grateful that we got in pre-COVID. Yeah, before <laughs> and all the so, material cost shot up. Ab- right, exactly. That. Oh my goodness, I hadn't even thought about that, of mm. course. But if we had been trying to close on a house, you know, mm. when the job Nightmare. as I knew it was kind of... <laughs> disappearing temporarily, I think it could have been a little challenging. So I think that's made it so we've had lots of, Mm. you know, little projects. Because even though the house was finished when we moved in last November, but if you're a homeowner, you know, the the projects never end. So Mm -hmm. since he's been off this last trip, it's been, you know, staining the fence and building this little home office for me and lawn stuff, you know, you know. All of the things. Man. Yeah, that's so exciting. I just saw that you posted something about that, about the renovation. And so you've been renovating for a year now. Is that what you said? We, well, we did a gut reno. We got the house April, 2019. And we, I mean, stripped it down to the studs and built it. I say we, we had a contractor, you guys. Mm-hmm. I was playing Glenda. I was, I was not here yeah, hammering yeah. every day. I did get to um, use what they called a baby sledgehammer and knock mm-hmm. a few holes in the walls, which was fun. But that was that whole gut reno process was April to November. So it was okay. about nine months. Wow. And so we've been in since then, but just continuing to make improvements and, mm-hmm. and do landscaping and paint walls mm-hmm. and you know things mm-hmm. like that. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. So, so fun. It's fun to get to make it your space for you all to be able to look at it and think this is ours. What do we want as a couple? And then something that I can imagine would be exciting is having a space where you can host people and invite people for dinner. Or if someone's in town, just having a space that's yours, that your personalities and your world comes to life through this space. And then you get to share it with other people. That's something that I really look forward to with having a home is just having yeah. that space to welcome other people in to share Absolutely. moments and create memories and host. Brittany, it's like, you know me. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> the whole reason we started looking at houses because we were in an apartment and I think there was six weekends in a row uh, pre-COVID where we were hosting people mm. and... I was like, we need space. I don't want to have to throw people on an air mattress mm-hmm. every weekend. Mm-hmm. I want them to feel like they have, yeah, a place a place where we can be hospitable yeah. and they can have a room and a door. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I started looking at two-bedroom apartments. And if you know anything about real estate in the New York City area, it's pretty crazy. And mm. ultimately, we, we kind of figured out that it would the mortgage would be the same or cheaper, actually, mm-hmm. than than renting a two-bedroom apartment. So mm-hmm. we kind of started trekking down this it. path. But yeah, hospitality, I definitely love getting to host and mm-hmm. share the space with people. That's important to me. And mm-hmm. oh, you'll have that someday too. I already told you, I said, next time you're in New York, you gotta, you gotta come stay with Let us. Let us know. Yeah, that is such a cool thing to be able to do that for people. We stayed with some friends this past week in Colorado Springs. And it was so neat just to walk into their home and we had never seen their home before and just getting to see how they've decorated. And like you said, the little projects they're working on, we're sitting on their porch and they're telling us our dreams are to have a fire pit over here and to expand the porch and to repaint it and getting to hear their vision and see that all come to life slowly is really cool to be a part of. I think that's the reality of it. And that's kind of a cool thing that you don't feel like you have to do it all at once. But for the people that buy a home and then slowly make it their dream home and what they want it to be, you get to really be 
intentional about it versus just doing everything at once. Right. Yes. And maybe we watched too much HGTV, but (laughs) we've definitely added some shiplap walls. (laughs) Like I said, I want that Chip and Joanna Gaines farmhouse feel. Eric, can you, can you make this a shiplap wall and this one and this one? (laughs) Nothing is off limits. (laughs) Gosh. Okay. So we were chatting before, before we hit record, we were chatting about your life on Broadway and being... A believer and somebody that is so rooted in your faith and everything that you do. And I think it would be really cool to give you some space to talk about that and how you balance those things. And if there's any story that you want to share about maybe how that can be challenging, or maybe there's something that comes to mind today that you'd want to share with us about just little glimmers. I call them glimmers, like moments where Mm. you're just doing your thing and you know where you're rooted and you know what you believe and you're doing, you're running in your lane, you're on Broadway and you're living in New York city and you're married to an amazing man. And you just have these moments where you see a glimmer of the bigger picture. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. God, I, I see a little bit of what you're doing. I'll never see the full picture till I get to heaven. But right now I see that little glimmer. Is there anything that you'd want to share with us just about what that journey looks like or any stories that come to mind? Yeah, there's a few. I know I heard pretty early on, you know, we have our sphere of interest, you know, these big, maybe even world issues that you care about or that are important to you. And then we have our sphere of influence, right? Which kind of zooms in and uh, like, where are the opportunities? Where are the spaces where God gets to use you and your giftings for his glory. And it looks different for everybody. I remember hearing a missionary speak at a conference in high school and and sitting down and talking with them afterwards and being like, yeah, but I want to do theater. Is that okay? Like, do I need to move to, you know, wherever in the world Mm -hmm. and preach? And they're like, no, everybody has their, you know, basically what they said was their own, their own sphere of influence. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so true and so cool and, and a great way to think about the space that you're in, wherever that is, if, if you're an accountant or a lawyer or a realtor or a podcast host or whatever <laughs> it may be. And so I feel really grateful for, for my lane. And I, I, I say my lane, but it's not, it's not mine. I, I do mm-hmm. feel very much so like it's shared and there's an amazing faith community within the arts. Um, I actually remember though, I met Kristen Chenoweth backstage at a show who she played the original Glenda, you guys. Um, I met her backstage. At, uh, I guess it was probably spring break of my freshman year of college. And I asked her that question that now I hear young artists asking me with, mm-hmm. which is what's it like being a Christian mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, in the industry and is that hard? And, and and so I asked her that, and she said, "No, there's there's so many of us," <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, I think she, I think she's exactly right. And but I remember even at that age, that gave me hope. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, I think wherever you are, you have an opportunity to to mm-hmm. minister to people and and love on people, no matter what you do. I I definitely appreciated in college the music theater program I went to was really really intense, but I was always plugged into InterVarsity and I lived in a house with all InterVarsity girls. And I think that helped kind of for me create 
that the balance I needed in the mm-hmm. co- in my college years of mm-hmm. of having this this foundation and this home base where um, you know girlfriends could you know we could spend time together and, and pray together and mm-hmm. read the word together and just do life together and then kind of go out and hopefully do the best I could in the world of of my education and, and growing as as an artist. So mm-hmm. I appreciated that in college and then. I, I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but I have this new kind of virtual music theater school. So I have a number of students now that, yeah, are, are coming to me and asking the same kinds of questions that I was asking Kristen Chenoweth 10 years ago. <laughs> wow, um, and so it's cool to be like, yeah, I have so many, I have so many friends who mm-hmm. are, are believers in the industry mm-hmm. and, and that's really cool. One friend that comes to mind is Amanda Jane Cooper. She played Glinda on Broadway before me, but also I replaced her on tour when I went out on tour. And then she was playing Glinda on Broadway when I was playing Glinda on tour. And Mm. so there was no one who could understand, I guess, the energy exertion, what the role demanded, how much your feet hurt at the end of the week, (laughs) like Amanda. And to have somebody who could hear you and, and hold space for all the things. And then also mm-hmm. just to, you know, there was nights where we would FaceTime and we would have our steam inhalers, which just gives, you know, hydration to your vocal cords and, <laughs> and we would steam and we would talk and catch up and pray and, and to have that kind of sisterhood in, mm-hmm. in that space, I think is, is really special. But mm-hmm. yeah, being in the city now, oh, there's some girls in my cast who would come pray in my dressing room on, mm-hmm. on Fridays and yeah, it's it's incredible. The you know, I think God uses everybody, but mm-hmm. I think storytellers and artists to help speak to people's hearts and yeah. yeah, I'm grateful for for where he's placed me and I hope that I can be a light for him there and I miss Broadway. It'll be back mm-hmm. someday, but I miss it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I bet. I bet I saw I uh, was doing a little bit of digging on your new virtual music theater school. And I saw that you said on your website, you all said, we have never believed in the transformative power of musical theater more than we do now. And I want to just leave that there and ask you if you can elaborate (laughs) on what is Double Name Witches. Can you tell us about your heart behind it and how the timing of this has been so sweet for you? Absolutely. So Double Name Witches, I feel like it sounds like a funny name, but it's kind of Mary-Kate Morrissey. She was my alphabet on tour for a year. And man, she's had a really cool faith journey too these last few years and watching that kind of unfold right before my eyes. Oh, the last few years has been one of the biggest privileges and blessings I've ever had in my life to, to get to witness that up close. But she's precious to me and a best friend. And yep, we played Glenda and Alphaba opposite each other for an entire year on the road and loved working together and kind of dreamed up ways that we could continue working together in the future. So we loved getting to do the show together on the road and formed such an amazing bond and friendship. Um, And I think definitely our offstage friendship and formed our onstage friendship and made it so special, but wicked fans kind of affectionately dubbed us the double name witches because we both have two first names. So Mary Kate and Jenna Claire. And so we took that and ran with it. 
And yeah, just dreamed up ways that we could continue working together. And this was all kind of pre-COVID. And um, I started playing Glenda on tour. She was cast, she got to originate Janice in the first national tour of Mean Girls. So we were both working. But, you know, when you're playing these roles of Glenda and Alva on tour full-time, it's so exhausting <laughs> and wonderful. But you don't get to, I guess, be a tourist in the same way that you would in a city if you were just visiting Mm -hmm. and not working. So I think we always kind of thought maybe someday we'll go back to all the cities we toured through with Wicked, Mm. do a a little mini concert at a, at a pub or something and, and go do all the touristy things that we never got to do. And then of course the Broadway shutdown happened. (laughs) And I think it was April. She came to me and said, Jenna Claire, I don't think Broadway is going to be back for a year. And I said, mm-hmm. you're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll absolutely be back probably this summer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Mary-Kate was right and I was wrong. <laughs> and we started, yeah, dreaming up ways that we could do teaching together. And we'd both taught individually. And it's really cool because we both went to different schools and we've we've mm-hmm. played really different kinds of roles and worked with different directors. And so we kind of have very different experiences and being able to, to bring that together mm. has been really special and sometimes challenging, but ultimately awesome. Yeah. Uh, just combining these teaching styles and methods and then also figuring out the Zoom room because yes. that's a whole beast of its own. So Our dream was that we would start with two classes of eight. We thought that would be just right. We wanted to keep our class sizes small so it could be intimate and there would be plenty of time for one-on-one coaching. And so our first round, we had almost 100 auditions. We were like, oh, this is going to be different than what we thought it was going to be. And how cool. So our first month, we had 29 students. We ended up doing four classes. And then... The next month we had 50 students. And then this past month we had 55 students. Oh my gosh. So that's kind of maximum capacity for us. I don't really think yeah. we could do any more. So we, because um, we're just two people. So yeah. we did yeah. summer sessions, June, July, and August. And we're kind of on a little two-week interim here where we're still doing private lessons. But mm-hmm. group classes will resume end of September. Okay. And then we are starting our fall semester. So we'll still Mm -hmm. offer our four-week core class, which is kind of our bread and butter song interpretation, mock audition, Mm. um, recital kind of fun package. And then we we have these more intensive 10-week classes that we're offering now for a semester package that's going to kind of end in a showcase for a few industry professionals. So we're really excited because some of these kids we've worked with for three months and we're like, we want you to be seen and we want you to feel like you can leave this experience having the confidence that, yeah, you can get up in front of a casting director or an agent and do your thing and, and be awesome and shine. And what, you know, in, in terms of just musical theater being feeling more powerful now than ever, it's that whole mm-hmm. idea of, okay, well, I'm doing this thing eight times a week and it's really fun. And it's, you know, been my dream for all this time and how cool, but it's really different being able to equip the next generation of aspiring artists and give them feedback that they really latch onto and take to heart and run with and watching them get it and grow and transform right in front of your eyes. It's 
Oh my gosh, it's so rewarding. And Mm. Mary-Kate said, it's the closest thing that we've experienced to the the final bow because the the big final bow at Wicked is, you know, mm-hmm. the doors swing open and Glenda and Alphaba get to run out together. And it's a moment that I always loved getting to share <laughs> yeah. with Mary-Kate. And it was always such a rush after, mm-hmm. you know, especially the, the really exhausting shows where you feel like you're on your last leg. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I did it. Yeah. Um, but getting to see these kids mm-hmm. just soar, especially I think, our hearts are always in puddles at the mm-hmm. end of recital week where we mm-hmm. get to see these students shine. I feel like maybe I said kids, but our students are, they do range from seven to 31. Okay. I was so it's, to ask a, it's a wide, yeah, it's a wide range of, of ages. And yeah. we group people based on kind of age range and skill level. And I actually think we just put out a post of interest yesterday, but I think we're going to do a minis class, which is going to be like five, six and seven year olds because, <laughs> because that's the age group group that I really like to hang out with. So yeah. I thought we thought that would be fun. We did do, we have like a littles class and the littles is kind of eight to 10 and 11 to 12. And, and so, yeah, now we're, we're, we want to incorporate the minis too. So yeah, I'm excited for fall semester. We have a lot of fun things planned and fundraisers for our scholarship fund and try to host fun activities for, for the students. And we did like an open mic night last week and I know we're we're dreaming up a a movie night where we can mm-hmm. you know all watch together on mm-hmm. Zoom like mm-hmm. a Broadway HD Broadway HD um, musical. So, mm-hmm. man, yeah, I don't know why I'm getting emotional hearing you talk about this, <laughs> and I I do not have a background in musical theater at all, but I have such a respect. And I when you say mm-hmm. that there's a transformative power mm-hmm. of musical theater. I so feel that deep in my core. Mm-hmm. And although I can't sing and I can't act, I know what that feels like to experience something and be so deeply moved in a way that nothing else can reach that part of you, yeah. whether it's music or dancing or a production. And I'm hearing you talk about this. And I obviously prepared some questions to talk to you about it, but hearing it come to life through your voice and your passion, mm-hmm. I just keep having this visual that, that you are standing there and you are just creating this space. You are pushing back all of these distractions, all of this loneliness, all of all these things that we're feeling this year, (laughs) the year of 2020. And there's so much fear and isolation. And totally, I really see a lot of people feeling like their passions are just being crushed. Broadway is not even open right now. Why would you dream about that? Hearing these right. lies and things like that. Yeah. And then to hear that that you, that Jenna Claire and Mary Kay are like, boom, like we are pushing out, we are creating this space and you're reaching these aspiring artists and students that I saw the United States, Canada, Norway, the Philippines, beyond, and that yeah. you're able to connect with them from your basement and through your office. Right. And inspire them and spur them on and just pour into them with your experiences. That, ooh, it just gives me chills. Thinking about oh. like what you're doing, not just for music theater right now in this time, but what you're doing for these individuals and the hope that you're instilling in them and the expertise. How crazy Thank is that you. to think 
I'm sorry. I am like all this. No, that's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's crazy though, to think about these students right now that have this desire and this passion. And because of how you have created this space in these times, it could change their life. And it could open mm-hmm. up a door that maybe would have never been opened because maybe you oh, wouldn't have I hope so. Or the space right. to do this. We definitely talk about that because, I mean, one of the biggest things you're trying to preserve when you're doing eight shows a week is your voice. And to say, hey, we're available to these students in a way that we wouldn't be otherwise, you know, if we were em- employed in our Broadway shows right now. And I do feel like that's unique. So thank you for your encouragement, man. That's so, so sweet. I, I do feel like, you know, I was talking about how we've seen them grow in their skill set, but I think what's the most moving to me is watching people grow in their confidence and developing mm. these skills that I really do think um, the skills are trans- transferable, you know, no matter what they decide to do, to be able to... Um, hold an audience's attention on Zoom or, or you know, yeah, have the confidence to get up and mm-hmm. sing a song. Or I think what's been the most special for us is that we've just grown this community of people that, yes, love the arts, but also love each other. And so we mm-hmm. try to really create this environment within our classrooms where we're encouraging each other and saying, hey, I saw this, you did this, and that was great, and this is why. Mm-hmm. And seeing people kind of develop even that vocabulary or that confidence to say what they see and affirm one another is so special as, as teacher to be like, uh, teachers to say, okay, we're here, we're facilitating this space, but ultimately, you know, these kids are opening their mouth and, mm. and, and giving the praise. And yeah, we've gotten mm, some, cool. I mean, amazing emails that have put us into puddles of tears mm. um, just from parents and things these past few months being like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but mm. you know, my kid's nice to their siblings or my kid is you know, we used to never sing in our house and now there's music everywhere mm. and, or they were feeling really lonely and, and now they have this community of friends. I know we have a couple of groups from even our, our most, our earliest sessions in the summer that they have a face, they have a standing FaceTime date every Wednesday night. And it, this group in particular, it's a, it's a group of girls in the mm-hmm. like 11 to 15 year old range. And the fact that they have this community of of artists that are from all over the country and man it's it's something I wish I had mm-hmm. when I was their age because I had a I had a good group of friends in middle school but none of them were theater loving people I was kind of the weird show tunes girl <laughs> so I wish I had you know m- more people to to gush about Broadway yeah. with and and so I'm glad we're able to be part of facilitating that yeah yeah that's so amazing it's it's really neat to see the attention that you give them as well. That's something that really stands out to me is the attention because it's really easy to be busy and to be distracted and to think, oh, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this. And I'm, they get my attention while I'm there and then I go back. But it feels like it is such a part of your purpose that you want to spur these students on and you want to be there for them and you want them to succeed. And that seems like a no brainer. Like I know with your personality, it seems like a no brainer. Well, why, like if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do it to the fullest, but not everybody's like that. And I think that's probably part of the reason why you've had so much success so quickly because people already know that's a part of who you and Mary Kate are. 
And then when you do something like this, they're like, man, how can we get in on this sooner rather than later while they have the time to do this? Because I know I'm going to get them. I know I'm going to get their attention and they're going to see me and they are going to equip me the best they can. What would you say to the next generation of performers? Like, I know you're working with these students, but maybe there's somebody listening to this that either is a performer or they know somebody that is. What would you say to them right now? I think before COVID, I would say work hard and dream big. I feel like that was kind of some instigating forces in in my journey. Mm -hmm. But I guess I would just want to give an encouraging word at this point, especially because it is crazy to be like, oh, the industry I want to go into is seemingly obsolete right now, or so it seems, you know, and for how long, you know, maybe it's going to be a whole other year from now until, you know, we're Mm -hmm. putting thousands of people back in the theater and, and coming to terms with that. But, you know, I see people who, I have friends who have been in the industry who are, deciding to do new things, which I think is, is good. You know, everybody's kind of pivoting at the moment, but I have friends that are doing coding or a friend that just bought a house in Arizona or Minnesota or, you know, deciding, all right, I did this and now I'm going to try something new or different. And I actually think people pivoting could potentially create uh, a really beautiful opening and window of opportunity for sort of the next generation of aspiring artists. And my hope is that everybody who is in the industry, first of all, is going to be part of rebuilding something really special when we're back. Um, But also that people are, I hope, resting and getting creatively inspired and filled up in various ways right now. So that, you know, when we do come back, we are more rested, more creatively inspired, more united than ever before or that's that's my dream and I do think the Broadway community is is really special and and from my experiences a group of people that are really open-hearted and really open-minded and open-armed and I think you know people are going to come running back when when we can to to be part of yes telling stories to be part of the community and the rebuilding and then you know, I guess we just have to hope and pray that people feel safe and willing to to journey back to New York City or to see the tours in, in their areas when when the time comes to to support the arts in that way. I think that's important. And I do feel like what we're seeing in our society right now is people are kind of craving normalcy, even if that means sitting outside at a restaurant or having a socially distanced picnic with friends at a park. I hope that normalcy when the time comes does look like going and sitting in a theater. And yeah, I, I love my, my job right now. I really do. And, and Mary Kate and I are so grateful to have, you know, this business and way to kind of pour our hearts and, and giftings right now. But we'll be excited too when, mm-hmm. when our jobs come back and when <laughs> we get to jump back into doing what we love. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that my work is going to look different because of the work that we're doing with these students um, and because of the way that they inspire me. Mm. That's always a beautiful thing when it's full Mm -hmm. circle. It's not just about pouring your expertise and your passion into them, but it's, it's funny when it always comes back to you. You don't do it for that reason ever, but it's such a nice surprise. 
mm-hmm. when you get to experience that. For the Wicked fans out there, yeah, can you tell us about your passion for the show, the cast, the crew, audiences, fans, anything that you want to share to someone that's listening to this and they love Wicked? Because <laughs> that's going to be everybody. Totally. Glinda has... The bubble dress has 63 petals and 63,000 sequins. No. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but those bubble dresses cost like $15,000. And I think the only dress that's more expensive is Alphaba's Act 2 dress. Um, And I think if you sit really far back, it just looks like a black dress. But if you look Mm -hmm. up a picture of it up close, it's... Oh, all these really beautifully unique fabrics mm-hmm. all kind of sewn together, but that dress is really heavy. So is mine. And I think that, I think that her act two dress is like 15,500 or something. Oh so they're pretty comparable. The, the most expensive, I don't know if I, why I went to costumes, but <laughs> you know, the costumes are Tony award winning. Thank oh, you, yeah. Susan Helferty. Oh yeah. And so the monkey wings, if you, if you know the scene where Chistery, the monkey, um, Alphabet does a spell and he grows wings. Mm-hmm. That jacket that, you know, magically mm-hmm. grows wings is, I think, 25 grand. <laughs> Anyways, I'll move away from costume I believe it. costs, but it is interesting, I think. And if you see these costumes up close, you can see why the, the how ornate they are and the detail mm-hmm. is just incredible. And being able to put those on definitely mm-hmm. helps you get into character instantaneously but I love my costumes I dreamed about you know wearing those costumes for a long Mm -hmm. time that bubble dress though it is so stinking heavy and with three inch heels (laughs) oh my god it takes a it takes a toll on your body I got to I got a brand new bubble dress right before I came to Broadway which was so cool I definitely cried (laughs) and then they actually were building me another brand new dress because I'd had the other one for about a year and they take a beating for sure because you're you know, mm-hmm. on the ground, up and down mm-hmm. the stairs, all over the place. And right before Broadway shut down, I had a fitting and I went away to film a TV show called Preach for a few weeks. And the whole thing mm-hmm. was, you know, I would come back and step into the brand new dress. And it's mm-hmm. crazy because while I was gone filming, they obviously shut down theater for the time being. And so it's sometimes I think oh, somewhere out there in a warehouse somewhere, there's a brand new bubble dress just waiting with all those sparkly petals and sequins. And mm-hmm. so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Opening night 2.0. <laughs> like I had to wait um, a long time for this dress. Yes. I start the show up in the bubble in the rafters and that's about 34 feet in the air. And something that's really sweet is whoever played Glinda before you leaves a note up mm-hmm. in the, uh, mm-hmm. like kind of pinned to the curtains of the mm-hmm. rafters. Mm-hmm. So uh, Katie Rose Clark, who's had a number of contracts with Glinda, she's amazing and I've really just loved her work for a lot of years. She was doing Glenda right before me, so she left a note. So even that is kind of surreal right before Mm -hmm. the show to see this note from Katie Rose Clark. And she put some pictures of my family and said, Mm -hmm. we're all cheering for you. And that's kind of a moment where I say a prayer and wiggle my toes in my shoes and, Mm -hmm. and try to get planted and grounded before diving into this show and it's it's amazing though. The oh, here's another fun fact. The stage is actually raked. It's on an angle. So Really? 
it takes a toll on your neck and back, but oh, it, um, it definitely helps with, I think, sight lines for audience members and makes the show kind of pop in a different way. But the show is not raked on tour, just on Broadway. Oh, wow. And what else do you want to know? Do you have any other like behind the scenes questions? Have you seen just- the show? I haven't. I haven't. Ah! I wish. I, I was supposed to go see it and I'm forgetting what happened. Will you Would come I- see it on Broadway when we reopen? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, I I love Broadway. I miss it. That would be awesome. I can't imagine how much you miss it because just from the outside, it's such a magical part of living and going to New York City and it's part of the experience. And I just know when it comes back, like you said, it is going to be so special because nobody will take it for granted at all. It's going to be, every little bit of it is going to be so appreciated. Absolutely. I think you're right, Mm. for sure. So one more thing that I want to talk about as we're wrapping up, and this is something that's important to me, and I don't know why I saved it for the end, but friendship just radiates around you. And whether it's on social media or hearing about Broadway and your friendships outside of Broadway or this new business that you've started, you can tell that friendship is something that is so near and dear to your heart. And I would love to know the role that friendships played on your life this year in particular and how your friends have encouraged you to be brave and the pursuit of your purpose. And all my questions are loaded. I'm sorry. What advice you give to women that are always striving to be that friend they want to have. And they see that friendship in you and they're like, man, how can I have more of that and be more of that friend? Mm, That is a loaded question, Brittany. Friendship (laughs) is definitely important to me. I grew up with three brothers and I love my brothers. Um, But female friendship is definitely unique. And I do feel like I have a community of sisters. I feel like my mom was good about getting me plugged into things with groups of girls growing up. And I'm sure that, I don't know, I'm sure that helped. You know, I did brownies and Mm -hmm. Girl Scouts. and Yeah, yeah. Um, Indian princesses. Do yep. you know what that is? I did is? that too. I yep. totally did that. <laughs> and we had a mother-daughter book club for 10 years. So I've always kind of been surrounded by by great female friends. And, and then in college, I lived in a house with, with five girls. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think, I mean, I think relationships at the end of the day are kind of the only thing that really matters on this side of heaven. And so I'm, I'm grateful for, for friends and, and the way you know, we can love and support each other, especially through crazy times like this. But I have some amazing girlfriends. Oh, I'm thinking of Leela right now. You know, there was the days where, you know, you could do eight shows a week and feel like, oh, I'm not getting to do anything social or, oh my gosh, she's calling me. That is so (laughs) weird. Look at that. Oh my God. It was like, she knew I was talking about her. That is hilarious. That's crazy. I'll call you later, Leela. <laughs> um, no, but she's the kind of friend who oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get emotional now. <laughs> she's the kind of friend who you know on a two show day where you're just trudging through. And yeah. obviously, I love my job. Two show days are super hard, mm-hmm. and you're like, I just need to see someone, but mm-hmm. I can't really talk and I have to ice my body or steam my voice. She's the kind of friend who shows up with a salad at the stage door and just sits Mm. with you. And Mm. I love that she called. That's so serendipitous. But you know, the the way, the way people show up for, and you said it, I think, you know, 
seasons of life, the the roles kind of change, but I think anything you can do to be the kind of friend that you want to have is, is a great way to, to gear your energy. But mm-hmm. things look a little different now that we're, we're doing this business full time, but definitely early on in the pandemic, when I was feeling a little bit disconnected from community mm-hmm. and quarantine, mm-hmm. I was trying to make an effort every day to write one letter and call one friend every day. And I think that was a good way to try to stay plugged in. And then now, you know, Mary Kate and I are working together. We haven't talked about it yet, but my friend Meredith Touring, she is another best friend and she's our business manager and kind of Mm -hmm. our, our everything. She does (laughs) our accounting. She's like our counselor and advertising firm and (laughs) everything she does everything and all the admin stuff and and we just love and cherish her but you know at at work I get to see my my some of my best friends every day (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that feels really special and because you mentioned being brave I feel like I have to mention my friend Annie F. Downs. Mm. She's someone who's really really special to me and came into my world when I was on the Wicked Tour and She's a podcast host of That Sounds Fun, and she has a mm-hmm. book called 100 Days to Brave that I'm actually rereading right now. But she's so someone good. who always inspires me to be brave. And yeah, I just, I love her and her support. I was texting with her mm-hmm. this morning. I just love her support for for her friends, but also, I mean, for our business. She's come to some of our recitals and mm-hmm. yeah, just super supportive. But I really, I really, really miss my friends in the theater And, you know, people that you would see because Midtown Manhattan is like a college campus, you know, all the theaters are right next to each other. So you'd run into people all the time. And then of course your cast becomes like a second family because Mm -hmm. you're in the same building all the time, all the time, especially on five show weekends. It's like, you don't even leave. These are the only people you're seeing. And, you know, tour even kind of takes that to another level when you're on the road and you're living in the same places and, Mm -hmm. Oh, you bet. don't even get to go home to your family. They are your family. Yeah. And yeah. and so, you know, in the in the midst of the Broadway shutdown, so many friends who are performers have, you know, either let their apartments go or are gone and lived with family in the in the interim period. Mm-hmm. And and so it's weird not even having people kind mm-hmm. of around. But thank goodness for Zoom. Thank goodness for FaceTime. I definitely had one of those Zoom birthday parties back in May, Did which really? was fun. Yeah, it was a surprise party, which I, so I didn't know, but my friend yeah. Meredith called me over and I sat down and there was, uh, I don't know, like 30 people on a Zoom call and I'd burst into tears. Oh. It was so sweet. But we've done calls too with like the, the people I went to college with mm-hmm. for musical theater. We've done a, a Zoom call and mm-hmm. we try to do family calls. and mm-hmm. But yeah, relationships and friendships look look different right now, but I think it's more important than ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's always a way. Everything's figure outable. (laughs) If we were figure outable. Yeah. That's a word. But we were created to be in relationship. And I think a lot of the trials that we're facing right now with the quarantine and with COVID and with shutdowns is that we feel lonely. Mm Mm-hmm. So how can we get around that? And Mm -hmm. when I first reached out to you to be a guest on the podcast, I didn't realize how fully you have responded to what's going on. 
I knew a little bit, mm. but then I started looking into it and I thought, man, this is going to be something that is so timely and so cool oh. for her to get to speak into. And I always mention this, but as I wrap up conversations, I'm always thinking about, okay, who's listening to this right now? And I try yeah. to put myself in her shoes and I think about where she is and what she's doing and why she hit play on this episode and what mm-hmm. it was that her soul was craving and needed to be full. And as I'm talking to you and I'm hearing your truth and your story and what's going on in your world, I'm thinking about the woman that's listening to you and what you're doing, thinking, how can I do that? Like, how can I take my circumstance and make it full? Like, how can I, and I don't want to use my business terminology, like, how can I capitalize on this season and what I, what I need right. to do? But how can I listen and see where I am and the expertise I have and step in and lean in? If there's a woman out there that's listening, that's thinking that, and she's kind of getting fired up, let me think about where I am and what opportunities I have to love other people. Yeah. How would you spur her on in that right now? Oh, man. Your heart for for community and for your community is so inspiring, Brittany. Mm-hmm. But I think it's as simple as picking up the phone and calling someone and saying, how can I pray for you? How can I serve mm-hmm. you this week? Or walk out your front door, go knock on a neighbor's door and ask the same questions. And like, how, what does it look like to to literally love our neighbor that's an easy first step. It's, it's a, good pl- a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. You just got to act. Bob Goff has taught me that. I'm reading mm. his 365-day devotional right now. I have it too. It oh, is that's so awesome. good. It is it's so good. good. It's like, it's so rich with yeah. wisdom and guidance and yeah, it's fantastic. And it's practical. It totally. is so practical. I read one of them. I'm like, Okay. When I go to get our mail today, I'm going to pay more attention to the people around me and stop for a moment and say hello and right. give them my attention. That's the simple truths are always the most beautiful ones. Right. And that's such a good point too, because you know it, it probably is true that your life and your community looks a little different right now, or you know, depending on where you live anyway. And like, who are the people that are in your immediate sphere of influence, who are the people you get to see? Mm-hmm. Is it the cashier at Starbucks or is mm-hmm. it your mail lady? I love my mail lady. She's great. <laughs> we were walking the dogs the other day around the corner and we passed her in her van and she reached out and waved and said, I left a package on your porch. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Wow. They are such a constant, those people that you see. And it's so important yeah. not to overlook that because even if it's just a smile, it may be the only smile that person sees all day. And it may be the only person that you you get to give a smile to. And there's something right. that's so fulfilling about that too. Question. You're in an apartment and or condo complex, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what was that like for you in your space where you are, especially I think when things were initially shutting down, like were community spaces limited, were mm-hmm. y'all having to wear masks and be distanced, or did you have uh, f- friends within the building that you were able to see and spend time with, or what did that look like for you? And did you experience the the loneliness of like, did you ever feel trapped in the apartment? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. It was a really cool opportunity for our eyes to be opened 
because my husband and I are both so busy and we're in and out and in and out and in and out. And we had not invested in friendships around us at all. And this opportunity has showed me the importance of slowing down and seeing people. And now we have friends over for dinner that live in our building or live in the building next to us. And they're people that we would have completely missed had we not stopped for a moment and looked at the people around us. And we've been spending a lot of time at the dog park when you can't go anywhere else. Friday nights, everybody would gather at the dog park with the dogs. And it, I love that you turn the microphone around for a minute and ask that question because it has, <laughs> it has been something that's really cool to see. It's so important just to pay attention to the people that are right around you. It's been a good thing. There's so much good in the middle of all of the pain and the hardship. There have been these moments where we can just lean in a little bit and it makes everything a little bit better. And I think it takes us deeper just in our purpose and living a life that matters and loving the people around us. Absolutely. That's awesome. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Of course. Thank you for joining me today. It's been such a treat and I have loved how easy it is just to have a conversation with you and how intentional you've been with getting to know our community. And this has definitely been a very special episode for me. So thank you. Wait, we didn't say this, but I feel like I need to say that the whole reason I first heard of wheat and honeycomb, uh-huh. honeycomb rather, yep, yep. I'm looking at the honeycomb <laughs> icon, is because um, a girl that I met through the the Wicked community, mm-hmm. a girl who saw the show and loved it, sent me kind of a, a care package and sent me a painted Bible. And mm-hmm. so I've had this now for a couple of years. It has my name on it. It says... Aww. Let all that you do be done in love. So thank you for what you do. And, you know, the fact that I have one of your Bibles in my Mm -hmm. hands. um, So cool. And have now for a couple of years is is Mm -hmm. so cool. And it feels very full circle to get to, yeah, sit and and chat with you this morning. And I feel like I get to walk away from this with a new friend. Oh, same. Same. No, it's a really cool way to get to meet you too. Cause I know we were talking at the beginning, but I saw you share about the Bible and then I started digging and I'm thinking, did we send her that Bible? Uh, I'm, and then I saw that one of your friends got it for you. And then I realized mm-hmm. it was someone that loves wicked. And yes. I, it's kind of full circle for me to hear that's how you and I connected was through someone that loves Wicked Katie and loves Hayes. you. Katie Hayes. Katie Hayes. Thank you, Katie Bible. Hayes. <laughs> and then what's really neat is I get on this call with you and I understand why people feel like you're so approachable and you're so Aww. friendly. And it's a really, really cool thing. I don't know. I'm sure you've been told that a million times, but I think it's important that I call that out in you. That's something that's so uniquely you. And there aren't many people in this world that are just like, hey, <laughs> I want to be your friend. And you sent me a DM and I want to get to know you. There are not many people that take time to invest in people in that way. And it makes so much sense now that I've gotten to know you a little bit more. Thank you, Brittany. You're Mm -hmm. too kind. I really appreciate your words of encouragement. It means a lot. Of course. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Want to know where you can get plugged in with Jenna Claire? You can find her on Instagram at Jenna Claire at double name witches And you can learn more about her virtual musical theater school online at doublenamewitches.com. Check out our show notes for more on where to find Jenna Claire. Did you enjoy this episode? 
Would you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and share this podcast with a girlfriend? A great way to help us get the word out is by screenshotting this episode on your cell phone and tagging us at Wheatful Woman to your Instagram story. We'd love to hear your favorite parts of the show so we can keep creating episodes that show up to serve you. Thanks for tuning in and we can't wait to catch you next time.